feel like after all those long-leggedy beasties have left, I should give you the prayer that is offered always on All Hallows' Eve. Let us pray. O most merciful and mighty God, your Son, Jesus Christ, was born of the Blessed Virgin Mary to bring us salvation and to establish your kingdom on earth. Grant that Michael and all your angels may defend us, your people, against Satan and every evil foe, and that at the last we may come to that heavenly country where all your saints are singing your praise forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. There are so many parts of the natural landscape here in Northeast Florida that I've come to love over my past 13 years living here. I love, of course, our St. John's River and all that being next to such a great moving body of water can bring with it from trips out on a boat, going up to see the lights of the city to the birds and wildlife the rivers provide all around it. And of course, I love the changing environment that we find out at the intercoastal waterway, the tides that come in and go out and the land and sea life it supports. And who wouldn't love living so close, close to the beach as we do that you're able to go out anytime you'd like and stand in the sand staring out at the waves of the great Atlantic Ocean. As massive as our ocean is, and no matter how far away we may actually be, standing in the salt water of the Atlantic always makes Audrey and I feel we are only a short distance across the deep waters from the Irish beaches of Trebon and Silver Strand, where our house sits on Shirkin Island in West Cork. But of all the natural wonders I've discovered and come to love and enjoy the most here in Northeast Florida, it is the great majestic live oak that has become my absolute favorite. We have plenty of oak trees back in the state I grew up in. The red oak, the pin oak, the chestnut oak, the chickapin, and the burr. But I had never seen any kind of tree like that great ancient live oak until I ventured down into the low country and moved myself here to Jacksonville. Before it finally had to be removed, I think my favorite oak tree here in town was the great oak of the Episcopal School of Jacksonville. I used to take my family out there to see it whenever they came down from Kentucky to visit during my first year serving at St. Mark's in Ortega. And I was absolutely devastated when that great 400-year-old sentinel was declared finally unsalvageable and dangerous and finally cut down and removed from campus back in 2014. After the Great Oak of Episcopal, of course, there is Jacksonville's incredible Treaty Oak on Prudential Drive, which is equally stunning and historic and ancient and certainly a tree worth taking your family to visit when they come in from out of town. And finally, Audrey, Aoife, and I actually came to own our own live oak, which grows right outside our front door beside our home. We've never given that tree a name, but we've loved that tree from the moment we saw it, and I think it continues to add tremendous joy and character to our own little piece of Jacksonville. Still, as much as I love our great live oak, there have been several occasions over these past five years when me and that great tree have needed to sit down together and have a serious conversation. You see, our live oak sits right outside 
the window in front of our daughter's room with its long, heavy, sweeping branches running up across and over top our home's roof, a roof we just got replaced last year. And with three hurricanes that have passed by close to Jacksonville over these last five years, first Matthew, then Irma, of course, and finally Ian this year, I've been compelled to sit down next to that old tree. And if you don't believe me, there's actually a little rock bench you can sit on in front of that tree. And I've tried to compel that tree to hold tight and keep itself together literally in the face of the storm. To try hard not to drop its great limbs onto our house and to definitely not lose its strong grip down in the earth and fall over. And each and every time we've had this talking to, along with dozens and dozens of other thunderstorms and windy weather and no telling how many hurricanes before we ever owned this house, that great old live oak right outside our front door has not budged nor lost but the smallest of its branches in the storm. That incredible ability to stay standing even the midst, in the midst of the greatest of hurricanes is just what makes the live oak, as I know all of you know, so amazing and special here in this part of the country. God created the live oak to handle hurricane force winds and tropical storms by planting its great roots so deep and so wide into the earth that they say as tall as the live oak can be above the ground, if we could see it underneath, we would find its roots just as long and deep in the opposite direction. I suspect that if our tree, God forbid, ever does topple over, it might just as well lift our entire house up off the ground with those great and expansive roots. And I have to tell you, for me as a priest and a seeker of God here in Northeast Florida, that great and deep makeup of the live oak, as I've gotten to know it and trust it and appreciate it, has become a perfect religious image for me of just what our spiritual life as disciples of Jesus Christ in the community of the church is meant to look like and grow into as well. For just like the greatest of trees here on earth, we are meant to set down deep roots inwardly in the spirit and grow upwards and climb higher through Jesus Christ to become closer and stronger in God. We are meant to be reaching upward in our physical life and actions in this material and visible world while through deep prayer, study of the Bible, participation in the sacraments and the worship of the church, we are setting deep roots inwardly in the spiritual and invisible world of faith. This is probably why in so many ancient and modern spiritual traditions and especially in our own Judeo-Christian faith tradition, one of the greatest symbols of the entirety of the human experience, spiritual and material, above and below, is captured and laid out in that image of the tree of life. We find the first reference of the tree of life at the very beginning of the Bible in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. And then again, at the Bible's conclusion, we find the tree of life in the, chap the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation. And the tree of life can be found engraved and drawn and painted throughout Jewish and Christian artwork from before the time of Jesus to the beginning of the Christian church throughout 2,000 years to today with the cross Jesus of Jesus becoming the greatest tree of life for the salvation of the entire world. Just as Jacob 
first saw the angels ascending and descending on a ladder up to heaven. So we, as children of God, are called to climb and ascend the branches of this great tree of life planted by God in the beginning and the end with the heart wood at the center of that tree where Jesus will stand and knock in hopes to be invited to enter in and to set up house. This morning in that wonderful old story of Zacchaeus in Luke's gospel, probably my favorite Sunday school story of all time when I was growing up in the Poplar Grove Baptist Church, we find an image of a sinful man who is climbing up a great and powerful sycamore tree in order to finally catch a glimpse of that which will free him, Jesus. We are told at the beginning of the story this morning that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in the ancient city of Jericho. And because of his position, he has become a very, very rich man. In Luke's gospel, identifying anyone as rich or as a tax collector, as we've seen over and over again throughout these past few Sundays, is always meant to identify that person as someone struggling in the wraps of sin. Tax collectors bring serious judgment from the Jewish religious authorities for their life spent collecting funds to support the Roman invaders. And our man Zacchaeus this morning isn't just a regular old tax collector praying in the synagogue. He is the chief tax collector. And the Bible insinuates that he has made a fortune in his career of robbing his own Jewish people of their hard-earned wages for the benefit of Caesar and for himself. And yet, this morning... It is Zacchaeus, a man buried in so much sin that he can't see outside or above it, who is being drawn, we are told, to seek out Jesus. And in order to find Jesus and see him, the gospel says Zacchaeus begins climbing the branches of a great tree. We aren't told how far up Zacchaeus climbs in that tree, and that doesn't really matter. What is important in the scripture is that he somehow has risen up in his climb out of the crowds that have surrounded him, and he is able to finally look out and see Jesus. For Jesus looks up into that tree and sees Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' life is instantly changed. And Jesus calls out to him and says, hurry and come down, for I must stay in your house this day. And so the Bible says Zacchaeus answers Jesus' call, climbs down the branches of the tree, and begins opening the door to bring Jesus into his life. Of course, there are those watching this that are grumbling and complaining that Jesus is offering his stay to such a wretched old sinner. But in their complaining, they are lost in seeing what this moment is is working inside of Zacchaeus, the the transformation that is beginning to happen. Before Zacchaeus even gets the door open and invites Jesus in, he already declares right then and there at the base of that great tree that he will begin living a different life altogether. Zacchaeus proclaims, look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I will now give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. To read this reminds me of the story of St. Francis of Assisi, who upon encountering Jesus in the church of San Damiano in Assisi, comes out into the street 
and for the first time with open eyes, sees a homeless man. And in that moment, Francis is not only compelled to give the man his cloak, but St. Francis gives the man everything he has on, leaving himself, we are told, utterly naked. And if Zacchaeus is willing to give half of what he owns to the poor and then turn around and give four times as much as what he has defrauded the others, then we can certainly say that he is giving everything in that moment to Jesus as well. And to this, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Brothers and sisters, in just 10 short verses of chapter 19 in Luke's gospel this morning, I believe the gospel writer is laying out for you and me the very heart and soul of our entire Christian journey of faith. For all of us are meant to be viewed as some level of Zacchaeus because all of us have stumbled. All of us have fallen. All of us are sinners. All of us are drawn to the riches of this material world and overwhelmed and surrounded by them. And yet, if you are here in this church this morning, in some way, shape, or form, you, brothers and sisters, are already being drawn to Jesus who is ready to heal. And in front of you, there is a tree of life. To get out of the enveloping sin and distraction and ego of this world we are buried in like Zacchaeus, we just have to step out onto the limbs of this tree, trusting that like a great live oak here in Florida, that tree has roots that can sustain any weight and bear up against any wind the world blows at us. And when we finally pull ourselves up into the tree of life, Jesus is already there waiting for us, calling on us to come down and open the doors of our heart and invite Jesus inside to make our heart his home. The heart, brothers and sisters, is the center of the tree. And as Jesus reveals to us in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at that door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. When Zacchaeus saw Jesus, he opened the door of his heart. And he invited Jesus in to sup with him. And just like Zacchaeus, when you and me meet Jesus, when we feel his deep abiding love, when we really realize that there is nothing in this world that can ever forgive you or change you or heal you or transform you the way Jesus can, then we will find out finally we're free of all of this. And we have nothing else that matters than Jesus. You will happily give everything away in order to be free and to be with the Lord. And Jesus will say to you and to me, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this heart. Today salvation has come to this soul. Oh, brothers and sisters, no matter what you're facing right now, don't you long for that healing? Don't you long for that freedom? Jesus says to you and to me, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Let us let Jesus save us. Amen.